Hello and welcome back to the Mindful and Messy podcast with me, Michelle Mbopo. A major, major thank you to everyone who tuned into our first episode, liked, followed and subscribed. Your support and feedback is super, super appreciated. Thank you so much, guys. Today we'll be getting into part two of our Love in the Time of COVID episode and this time we're focusing on self-love, friendships and family in the past pandemic year. Joining me this week are my special guests. Mr. Andrew Bisagaya, esteemed gentleman and Twitter troll from Nairobi, Kenya. And the fierce Christina Mack, who calls minus 15 degrees Celsius wine drinking weather all the way in Christiansand, Norway. So while working on this episode, uh, I was thinking of uh, the way we all met and what an awesome year that was. So I met Andrew in 2016 through a mutual friend while he was at UCT doing his uh, LLB Masters, I think, where he met Christina and her friends. So we all ended up becoming this big group of friends doing first Thursdays, paintball parties, karaoke nights, and some really debaucherous prize (laughs) at Tony's house together. Ugh, you guys leaving the city, uh, it really, really sucked. Like, I miss so much rolling squad deep and basically being our party wherever we went. <laughs> so thank you so much for nervously agreeing to do this with me. And please introduce yourselves to the lovely people. Hi, everybody. I'm Christina. Hi, people. I'm Andrew. This is like a long overdue catch-up that we have been supposed to do. So I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Yay. So without further ado, let's get into it. So in our first episode, I spoke about like my experience with um, love in this time of COVID with romantic love and online dating and everything, which Andrew was like, "Mm, you guys, you are risking really your online dating in this Panamera. But look, it was different times. We were hopeful then. And now we're hopeful again. There's a vaccine. It's a whole thing. But (laughs) so uh, I just wanted to find out from you guys, being from such uh, distinct different parts of the world. So what has been the experience in your part of the country in the past year? Would you say like socially it's made people more compassionate and unified or has it not had the best results so far? I think in my part of um, of the world, people are more compassionate towards their own. So like the lines between groups are harder or more um, almost competitive. Um, oh. Yeah. You take care of your own. Ah. And it becomes more clear um, that the, the different groups are, are more like turning inwards instead of showing compassion and empathy outwards. It made us think of what's important. In co- it gave it gave people context. That's what I would say. To look at everything and look at what's important. Look at what is not important. Look at who's and have to think about who is important and how we relate to the people in our lives. And 
Yeah, because for a while there, we're quite uncertain. In the beginning, we all thought it would be a week of lockdown. Actually, when everything was closing, it was more like, see you next week, see you in two weeks or so. And it's been a year, it's March again. And here we are. Yeah, sad. But anyway, yeah, made us realize what was important. So I would say, like, I agree with that. Like, in my neighborhood, obviously, it's like a suburb. So it's chilled and quiet. I think people are just as friendly as they were before. But I think I felt a shift in the greater part of Cape Town. So aside from the physical and historical distances of the city, so I think it's with something similar to what Christina is saying is that COVID has exacerbated the already existing inequalities here and like we're more distant and segregated now than I've ever seen us in the past six years. Like now when I go to town, if I go out to different parts of the city, there's there's less mixing of people there's less people of different neighborhoods going all the way to other neighborhoods and i'm not sure if it's the social distancing or whatnot but like the there's a subtle and constant like shift now of you know constantly what is public space what is private space the classism the racism the ableism they are all coming out now um with COVID. So it's one of those things where I think in, in, in small ways, we're definitely more compassionate. We're reaching out to each other. People want to care more, but I think in a lot of big ways, we are actually turning away from each other. And that is concerning me personally. Yeah. Here in Norway, uh, we're starting to, to scapegoat. So first there was always the people who travel, who brought it here. Now it's the immigrants then it's the working immigrants who come here only to work and go back home. Then it's the people who travel inside the country. Like it's always anger directed at some group who hasn't uh, behaved in the in the in the manner which which was desired. Uh, and a lot of times it's not true. And you can see now people who live uh, in close quarters they catch COVID more easily because if you have uh, three bedrooms and eight people in the house. If one gets it, everybody's going to get it versus somebody who lives alone or who lives in, in big houses. But I'll, I'll say all in all, our, our pandemic experiences would be vastly different because of the different economies we're in. For instance, there was a while there when they wanted to do a full lockdown for us. And everyone was, the worry was, what are people going to eat? Because you can't lock down people who earn a daily wage. We do not have such a very good social grant system. So there was never, and there could never be a full lockdown for mm. us because people have to work. There are sectors of the economy that had to stay running. So there's also that to consider. I, I believe everyone experienced it totally differently. And that's one thing I'm actually curious about. I'd have wanted to see different people's experiences over the last year in different countries and different places, how it was for them. Because us for a while there, people just give up and it's like, there's no COVID. Like it's not a thing. Like now Sunday events are packed. Saturday events are packed, but we still have a curfew, but daytime events still get hella packed. Mm. 
Yeah, same here in South Africa. We just got moved down to like level one, which is, I mean, as close to before pre-COVID times as possible. And there's also that sense of, you know, what will be will be at this point. We've done 12 months of this up and down, in and out. So, but in the same way, I'm like, now I think we have a bit of a respite because, you know, we just come from a lockdown. We just come from, you know, a new year. So things are a bit better Ah, now it's going to be Easter again. And I think that's going to be a whole other cycle. So it's just, it feels like we're, we're constantly, we're moving five steps forward and moving two steps back and then one step forward again, and then three steps further back. So it's the vaccines and all of this thing. But to be honest, at this point, I'm just like, you know what? People must just do the best that they can. Going to what uh, Christina is saying about the blaming and the whatnot, it's so irritating and nonsensical. Oh, but then if they locked it down, then this wouldn't have happened. Oh, but then if they didn't, then this wouldn't have happened. It's like, first of all, this is risk mitigation mode. No one here has a perfect solution. We didn't ask for this problem. Therefore, no one has the golden key to solving it. So instead of just being like these petulant perfectionists of while well, your solution doesn't cater for this this and that population and this this and that instance okay is it serving the majority is it mitigating this massive risk if yes then shut up and like put up with it and i feel like even within that this is where it's been proven that the lockdowns work they're unpleasant yes there's various measures to make them more easy whether it's social welfare security all sorts of things but just literally not having people move around, it works. And if governments have to get involved to put that in place for where we are now, not with hundreds and thousands of deaths like we could have been. So at what point are people just grateful to say, okay, guys, things aren't going well. We're doing the best we can. Like, that's just all we must focus on. Not this thing of blaming and being upset at everything. Like, we're all in this shit together. Just shut up. <laughs> I've just realized something. I've just realized something. The views you've just shared and those of Christina show that you people come from countries where Caucasian people live, and I can tell because <laughs> the rest of us don't complain enough, and that's why our governments get away with a lot of things. Okay. But you people are complaining about people complaining too much. And we all know where Karens live. <laughs> Fair point. That is true. <laughs> we don't have enough of them. Trust me, we can send some your way. Please send us a plane. We will send them your way happily. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was thinking uh, with this lockdown and everyone social distancing. So I was here in Cape Town I'm all alone. And you know how Cape Town is like spatially, you have friends in the Northern suburbs, some friends in the city, some friends in the Southern suburbs. And with social distancing, if you don't live literally within two neighborhoods of each other, the odds of seeing each other are very slim. So it was a bit like isolating and there were some friendships that were made during the pandemic. I had so many cute shopping buddies, you know, we'd meet up, go to our groceries together, swap recipes. It was a wonderful time, you guys. And then there were also like some real friendship situations where, you know, I think also when we get older, we don't talk about the fact that um, 
in a lot of friendships, sometimes you sort of go in and out of each other's orbit. Like you're not always locked in like these friends that talk every week or you know exactly what's going on in each other's lives. Like there'll be periods where you go months where you don't chat and then you're back into orbit and something's happening and then you go out again. But now we were all at home. Everyone's on their phone. The orbits had stopped. <laughs> so... This was why people were busy tweeting like, well, see who's checking in on you and who's not. When you stop messaging them, see who starts messaging first. And this created that space now where everyone had this expectation, like you're supposed to reach out to me, like we haven't spoken in months where I feel like that sort of contract of we're not necessarily constantly in each other's contact, like was was challenged. Like now we had to do something different. It also clarified for me the friendships that were really worth that time and effort and the people that also put that time and effort into me, you know, because now you have a lot of time to think about a lot of things and you're worried about people's health. So it was sort of like, weirdly, who do, who comes to mind? Who do you want to check in on? Who's checking in on you? And not even in a discriminatory way, like, oh, this friend and that friend, but the people that did reach out and the conversations that did happen, I think for me solidified a lot of things because it's like, we don't get a lot of lifetime events like this, you know, well, actually going forward, <laughs> who knows, but it, 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 it brought up, <laughs> you know, it brought up the question to me, like, so in an emergency what what kind of sibling are you? What kind of cousin? What kind of colleague? What kind of friend are you? Like when our social bonds and social conventions are tested, when the worst happens as it did now with COVID and people losing their parents, siblings, children, like what do we do? Who do we become? Do we practice what we preach? Do we turn towards each other? Or do we turn away from each other? So there was that space of like, like a friend in need is a friend indeed. And we were all in need. So like what happened with the friendship? Like this was, this was the moment for friends to step up. And I think for me, it was a, it was a learning curve. There was a lot of friends that stepped up and a lot of friends that didn't. And yeah, I, I'm interested to know how it went for you guys or if that was something that was like quite present in your mind at the time. So for me, I think COVID coincided with a time in my life where uh, I'm forced to prioritize friendships. I can't stay in touch with everybody. I don't have the time. I have to go to work. And also I'm used to maintaining friendships across borders from before. Mm. So for me, uh, COVID has been... I mean, I, th I think it's shown that my friendships have stood the test because I experienced people uh, having a lot more free time to be on the phone, to do video calls, to stay in touch. And like I said, people turn inwards, but at least that's been my experience. So they make contact, like, how are you? They, they, show, they show love. And that, I think that that's been a positive during the pandemic for me. As for social friends, more like, the people you go out to party with, the people you uh, see out and about, those people, no. They've been not been present. I haven't been in touch with them. And while I may miss the the events, the partying, that, that stuff, they haven't 
been missed in my life as because they, they don't feel an emotional need in me. Oh, okay. I get that. Actually, Andrew was saying something uh, uh, similar about like uh, drinking buddy friendships and all that stuff. So I think also with the pandemic, it's sort of highlighted again. I don't know what the male experience has been, but with women in times like this, we tend to like get together and congregate and commune and, you know, all of that community that is quite socially acceptable and socially established for us. So I don't know for guys, when you aren't meeting up every Friday, getting the drinks, you know, chatting over sports or whatnot, what, what spaces of friendship, I don't know what that looks like for you guys. Uh, first of all, male friendships or something else. That, that, that's like a whole podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking buddies didn't survive the pandemic. I, not that I had drinking buddies because I had stopped like going out a lot socially. I'd go out, yes, but not not a whole Friday night. Not a whole, not a, I'd not make a whole night of it. So yes, acquaintance. Are they called acquaintanceships? I don't know what they're called. Acquaintances, yeah. relationships with acquaintances, did not survive because that's what drinking buddies are. If we're being honest, if if we're being honest, drinking buddies are not really friends. So those didn't survive the pandemic as expected. However, male friendships, in my experience, are not so much based on the quantity of communication, but more the quality of it. Okay. So I would say all male friendships came out through the pandemic unscathed, even if they didn't meet for drinks. It, it, it was fine. Because though once in a while you greet people, but aside from that, mostly... In any case, the friends of mine who more needed checking on would be female friends. Why do you say that? Who told you your male friends don't need checking in on? Because. What is the sexism? (laughs) 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 Not that male friends don't need checking in on. They both do, actually. And that is part of society condition. But anyway. Uh -uh, We're not talking about society. We're talking about you. They both do need checking in on. For me, I, I check on my niggas once in a while, but I do check on my female friends more in the sense of checking in. I have a comment. I have a sto- story time. So remember when Tony went missing for like six hours when we were out drinking and you were like, oh, oh what happened to Tony? <laughs> so I know you check in on your people, even though they're men. Come on now. I, that's what actually I was getting into. For instance, like I can call Tony now and we'll, we'll speak and we'll catch up and be like, Hey, what's up? How are you doing? But I won't be like, how are you feeling? And how did that make you feel? Like if he's telling me something, I won't follow. I won't have the expected follow-up questions. Like, and how did that make you feel? Blah, blah. I'll be like, Oh shit, that sucks. Well, that's unfortunate. Then I'll check in on him another time. That sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Anyway, I'll check in on you next Friday. What? <laughs> you know, okay, that makes me sound like a bad friend. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll check in later to see how that is. Okay. So, okay, so then when you're having, like, for example, I was talking to a good friend of mine who's uh, working out in Korea, 
like there was this one weekend I remember I think we were both hormonal also we were just going through it <laughs> and we were chatting about that and it was just like expressing like just how lonely and uncomfortable everything was with the uncertainty and we both you know, have anxiety so that was something that we could go to each other to as well so I know that men feel these emotions so when you feel like that or you need that reassurance, is that something you feel you can, you want to share with your friends or to you it's just like, oh, you, it's, you can take care of it yourself and you don't really need to speak to anyone about it? Actually, while you're explaining, I figured it out. If I need reassurance, I'll speak to my female friends. If I need solutions, I'll speak to my male friends. Let me explain why. Not that the other one cannot give you the other. However, this is how things go. For instance... If you're heartbroken and you're sitting there like, oh, I'm so sad, and you tell your male friend, your male friend is solution-oriented. He's saying, let's go get you hose, a replacement. While your female friend will want you to heal and talk about it in a healthy way to vent and get your feelings out and work through it. While my male friend would think, well, solution, he is probably sad because this person left him. Let's get him another one. Okay, here's an interesting question. So your female friends want you to heal. Your male friends want you to get some hose. What do you want? Are you so pliable that whoever you talk to, that is the program that you are willing to subscribe to? Where is your integrity? Where are you standing on it? What do you actually want, aside from what is being offered to you? <laughs> the hose can help me heal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can do both. And this is the importance, ladies and gentlemen, of having both male and female friends. Don't let them lie to you. You need both. These are good strengths and weaknesses to have. <laughs> Balance. So, again, you know, with the seasonal friendships as well, uh, not just friendships that were like born in the pandemic or right before. I think in general, I was thinking back on a lot of like relationships. Actually, I was going through my contacts list because now everything syncs to this Google Plus, whatever. Even numbers I've had from like 10 years ago. Now, every time I get a new device or a new app, it just loads everything there. And I'm horrible with keeping up with privacy settings. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get rid of some people here because now they can see my whole life. And I was going through it and I saw so many like names of like seasonal friends or people that I used to be close to, people that I used to work with and stuff like that. And it just reminded me also of how important both sides are having those seasonal friends or those transition friends. You just got to a new city or they're here for a year at school. And then your childhood friends and then your like, you know, ride or dies, everyday friends or whatever. Like, I think sometimes we want to make one the other too much. Like we always want to either be best friends forever or we just want to be too casual with everyone. When really these two things are complementary, like they go together. These both sides are so important. And I remember I used to feel guilty sometimes for like wanting to let go of people's like, ah, but they haven't done anything wrong. But at the same time, it's like, you feel like this is the end of the road for this, you know, interaction, this relationship. And then there's somewhere that happens to you where you want more friendship. And the other person's like, yeah, I think I'm good. 
with that. So like, honestly, on the friendship side, I had a lot of time to think about that. And also the fact that, you know, when you spend a lot of that time alone and then you get that reassurance from your friends and you have those good Zoom parties or whatnot, and then you feel like, okay, you're good again. Like you don't feel so alone. And that for me was so important for me because honestly, my friends are the most I think formative experiences I've had with like love and relationships. Like to me, friendship has always been a different kind of romance, even before I got into like dating and all these things. So it, this pandemic really reaffirmed for me that that investment, that philosophy of really treasuring my friends and taking care of them and making those the central relationships that I care about was the best decision I ever made because Listen, when the chips are down, it's good to have boyfriends and hot boys and all these other people, but it's your friends and your family that are going to come through in the cut. When the chips are down, that's who's going to show up. And I'm so glad that not only did we have the opportunities to prove that to each other in silly ways and in meaningful ways, where if you're having that conscious friendship with someone, even if you weren't necessarily that serious about it, now you are like, damn, I have an opportunity to like actually mean something to this person. If something, one is going through something or someone needs help with something, like I think it gave us an opportunity to be better friends um, to each other and to really think about like, what do I need out of friendship and all that stuff? At least I did. Like I said, I was in a very contemplative space, guys. Like I should have been born a philosopher. The world was ending. I was, I was in my bag, please. <laughs> Anyone else have anything to share about the experience with friendship, young, old, new? You were just saying, Christina, that now you are making friends with a whole lot of new young people. Yeah, I am. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, first, I think sometimes you can confuse friendships. Either because you have the depth of a friendship, it could be transformative experience and the connection can be so strong that you don't need to have a lot of contact. You just fall back into the moment when you meet or when you have contact. That's one type of friendship. And then there's the situational kind of friendship, which I've been through this last year and has been kind of weird for me because now I'm realizing that for me, um, it is situational. And for him, it's probably deeper because I'm feeling the desire to to pull back now that we're not in the same space. Mm. Was for him, he, he's seeking like um, validation or that this this is going to stand, stand the test of time. So that's been a, a new experience for me. Uh, and also I've made, uh, I made a new friend, like my, my roommate is <laughs> a new friend. Uh, and he's a lot younger. He's 25. So I feel like I'm his, I'm his big sister. And, and we, we spent so much time together and, but this is also kind of weird because I don't know if it's going to be situational again or if it's actually a true friendship. Hmm. That's also a part of COVID. Like, because if you spend a lot of time with a person because you don't have other options because you're stuck in the same place, uh, maybe COVID could also be um, not give false friendships, but give like a false sense of depth sometimes. 
Yeah, I think there's been a lot of examples of like fast intimacy, like, oh my God, best friends forever and, and all this stuff that came from, you know, the emergency response of COVID, but also that thing of if you do spend like 24 hours straight with someone talking to them, sharing with them, you really do start to think you know them after a week. But, you know, of course, it's just that room or that space. So you can't, there's still more to them that you, you haven't found out yet. Yes, yes, yes. Because we're in a new lockdown right now. So we're in the house. Like we work, we go home and we drink and sit and talk. And on the weekends, all we do is drink. We start in the mornings, we drink and we talk shit all like for hours. I'm not like, that's what we do. We, we go to the, buy wine, buy uh buy bears and we drink make food and talk 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 i mean i'm concerned but okay <laughs> i'm being i'm being honest like, this is what we're doing in lockdown we're drinking talking and this i'm gonna tell you about last night last night we was sitting drinking 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 like bottles every weekend oh my god in the house with nothing else to do with fuck all to do so i i feel like i am as a person, I don't overshare like personal information about my thoughts, my feelings, my insecurities, nothing like that. While as he, on the other hand, is like, oh, let's talk about all my past relationships, my fears, uh, my my insecurities with these women. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Like, I know all this about him. Like. Uh, the relationships uh, between his... Is, is he going to listen to this podcast? I'm like, does this man know you're doing this? <laughs> no, the, no. The man opened up to you. Spilling his business. Well, I told him yes, but I'm, I'm not sending him the link. Listen, I'm not spilling his business. He's anonymous. So you want to listen to the story or not? I'm telling you, but this is the thing. I'm so, You know why, babes? Continue. He's gone. Thank you. The point The point is that because of the situation we are in, lockdown with nothing else to do and drinking, and it's like, so what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about life. And it just gets so intimate very fast. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID, you don't know if this, if this is like a connection type thing where we're going to be friends after this with the same level of intimacy or if it's just situational as it was with my friend in the other situation I was in, where he, he too, also a guy, I think this is Yeah, friend, you know, this is starting, I'm seeing a pattern here. No, but he also shared, like, family history, uh, like, uh, medical stuff, like, just, like, very personal stuff. I think I know why. Okay, Andrew, go ahead, comment. I, I'll, I'll circle back later. You know, spilling people's business and not my own. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, here's what normally happens. As dudes, we don't normally have that many people to do our emotional labor for us. Right? And our male friends don't normally tend to do it. Like, just as you've described, someone talking about his insecurities and blah, blah, blah. Now imagine you, you sit your homeboy down and you start telling him about you. It's, it's not going to happen. But you can sit your female friend down and do that. So what you were doing there, you were doing emotional labor, which is, it's, it's, it's not a bad place to be, but you get me. 
but my thing is that feels unfair because that seems to have this like underlying assumption that women are more comfortable with hearing your emotions and insecurities, which as we can hear from Christina's very tacit rant, she is not. (laughs) (laughs) She is not in any way, shape or form comfortable at all with this spillage. So you're making it seem like, oh, your guy friends are going to be uncomfortable. Is comfortable hearing all of that. It is literally a commitment you make in a relationship to be comfortable and create that space. We are also not calling each other spilling our guts because it's fun. I feel two ways about it. I do kind of enjoy like the information being given to me, but I'm also wary about about like what what are you expecting in return? Because I'm not giving the same level of intimacy in return because I don't know you like that. Uh, <laughs> like I don't trust that that easy. Like we just met. I don't. I don't. I don't know that you're a person of confidence. And first of all, I don't know if. Oh, let me turn this off. If if I want to take advice from you, so I, while I I do enjoy this information because I'm a nosy person, I, what I don't enjoy is the commitment that is expected afterwards. That information has been given. Yes, I get what you mean. Like that thing of, oh, yes, this is, you know, when you're, when you're out some, sometimes or you're at a bri or somewhere, you meet someone at a party and like you instantly click and it's really nice and you're besties for the night or whatever. And like, it's usually either both of you will understand like, oh, this is like a for the night deal with besties. Soon as you pop into your Uber, I pop into my Uber and we wave goodbye safely. We will never see each other again. This will live in our memories and potentially in our memoirs, but this is where it ends. And then there's the people who are just like, they find you on Instagram, on Twitter. Oh my God, we must go out again. And it's not necessarily that you're even averse to that. It just starts to feel invasive because in your mind, you're like, but the social contract was this, this context, this level of intimacy and friendship and engagement. Now it feels like you are crossing a line into things that I don't feel like I agreed to. And then, okay, then maybe you feel better about that, but then, when people have feel like they've established that intimacy, like Christina saying, then they want to have that validation back. And you're out here like, I'm so sorry to hear about your aunt's third marriage and your cousin's fourth pregnancy. I'm just not ready to give you my family grants like that. <laughs> like, I'm not. <laughs> but I find that the two extremes in those cases on the issue of sharing with strangers, it can be easier the two extremes are one, it's easy to share with people, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, people, you know, really, really well. That means you're really close. You're really tight. There's that relationship or the other extreme is complete strangers because you do not tell them enough to identify you, but you leave them with your problems. And they'll be like, there's this dude I once met who was telling me about this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I can't believe he shared that, That's true. but he doesn't know your name. Yeah. So you're just another random person who poured unloaded on someone and life moved on. But then you needed to vent or you needed someone to talk to. So it worked out well for you. So yeah, two extremes, strangers or people you're really, really close with. The other alternative is you open up to people, then you cut them off because of shame. What? Is that a thing? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
So, 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 Christina, if you don't stay friends with those people, that's what you are used for. Uh uh-uh. uh. They. Who's gonna cut me off, Andrew? You know they come back for more. Heaven. No, I mean you, you, you. The people who like <laughs> who like you, you please. <laughs> no, but it could actually be dangerous. Um, talking to strangers to have a horror story. This this uh, lady went to China. Was like blah 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 to this this girl at a conference. That girl knew her schoolmates, and the information circled back all the way to the schoolmate circle. So we had that information before the third party involved in the situation had the information. Well, that was complicated, but still, don't talk to strangers. That's that's dangerous. No, I prefer strangers because here's the thing: if you tell you if if you 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 vent or open up to someone who they know your other people, right? A stranger doesn't know your other people, so who are they going to go and tell that I met this dude on the bus and his life is so fucked up? And then, and then then what? That's it, basically. I mean, yeah, there's there's that safety in the anonymity of it, definitely. Yeah. But yes, so just to like round off this portion about uh, the friendship in the love uh, in in the time of COVID. So, did you guys also do the the Zoom parties and the, the video call game nights and the WhatsApp watchings and the like watching the the movies what was that one that was famous uh tiger king and money heist and all these things yo i see andrew scrunching up his face he's just like Mm-mm. no 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 uh, those 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 viewing netflix parties were for people whose relationships survived the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> because so, so many did not and those which did are those who are able to have viewing parties with each other, and I'm happy for them. Really? You don't mm-hmm. sound very happy for and them. Besides, for, for, friendships, <laughs> for friendships, for friendships, I'm in my 30s. I know who I like and who I don't like. So I'm not out here trying trying to make bonds deeper or form any new ones. <laughs> no. If it happens, it happens. If it dies, not, mm-mm, mm-mm. At this point, I know. No new friends. <laughs> no new friends. Said no new friends. That's fair. That's there. Well, I made some, you know, a lot of video calls, joined a lot of Zoom parties. I bought some alcohol on the black market, all in the name of showing up and loving my friends, because you know I'm a writer like that. And, you know, sometimes in relationships, we can be so focused on what the other person can do for us and how they can make us feel better. Um, But I think it's like there's... My favorite feeling is when you do something nice for someone or you show up for someone in a way and you're just the reason for their joy. Like it's such a lovely cycle, especially in friendship when you're just, you love loving on your people. They love loving on you. I water you, you water me and we both grow. So yes, all that mushy, wishy stuff that Andrew loves so much. (laughs) Why is Christina amused? I've just remembered actually, you bought me a Shivas for my grad. And yes, I haven't I opened it. I've yet, I'm yet to find a day worthy really? of that drink. But then I will get to it one of these days. I will do something worthy of celebrating, and that is how I'll celebrate. Okay. No, I'm saying it was a good bottle, so don't rush it. It'll only get better. 
Yeah, I still have it. It's in a safe place, a very safe place. Ah, well, I'm glad you still have it. And that actually, yeah, you've been doing well. If through the pandemic, you had a whole bottle of whiskey in the house and it didn't get touched. (laughs) We we, we did not go through a prohibition. Our liquor stores, our president knows how to keep the country running. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't don't play with the liquor. Do everything, but you cannot close down liquor stores. So, the family. Insert Godfather theme music. (laughs) Never have family bonds been tested as they have during the last 12 months and how they continue to be tested as this pandemic and its chaos continues. There was a lot of loss for some families. Some families came together. Some people found new families um, in this pandemic. And I, unfortunately, was away from my family. um, And that actually sucked. But it was the weirdest thing I started having like, it was just such a nostalgic time. I started thinking so much about like my childhood, my cousins that I hadn't seen or spoken to in years, honestly. Um, The aunts who used to always remember my birthday, my uncles used to let me drive tractors and ride horses when my grandmother wasn't looking. <laughs> like it was such a lovely nostalgic time thinking of also my extended family, because now um, having lost both my parents, just my siblings and I, like when your nuclear family isn't as big, I think also with the way that we live now, it actually it locks us out of a lot of family bonds and family bonding. And I think especially in an African context for us where that is, you know, sort of counter to what is organic in African culture, even within South Africa to have those extended family bonds, like the pandemic really highlighted for me how much I miss that sense of belonging to like a bigger whole. Like I was just thinking like, my childhood and Matatiela, you're surrounded by people who look like you, who sound like you. You all have the same surname and like quirky mannerisms. And then you notice that you all squint against the sun the same way. It's like, oh, I thought that was a me thing. Oh, we all do that. You know, like when you're with your family and you're with your people and you feel so a part of something bigger, so a part of your, with your family. And I think this pandemic really highlighted that for me. It's like, this is a feeling I want more of. Like I had it when I was a child, but hey, you know, your experience of your family when you're young and your experience of your family when you grow up, those are two different families sometimes. (laughs) So I was just thinking of that and I reached out to like a few cousins and a few people and we just reconnected. And it also reminded me that, you know, in everyday life, when we're doing our hustle and bustle, we don't have a lot of time to check in with a lot of people. You actually forget that you do have this whole entire extended family. Like there's people who really care about you, who love you, who want to know how you're doing, even if they haven't seen you in years. And 
that was a really special thing to feel like. I think so often the default can be, oh, you're alone, you're alone. But there's a lot of ways that we don't see that we don't have to be alone. Pandemic and family. It started out nice for us. Not not that it got worse, but I'm saying so that we would all go. Not not that it got worse, but I'm saying when I say started out, I mean, it was good. It's still good. We used to go jogging, like in the evenings, which was nice. It was bonding and trying to keep fit and work out. That was a thing. Then there was the baking phase. There was the banana bread by everyone on the internet. And then there was bread bread, different types. And then South Africans were making homemade liquor out of pineapple because they had no booze. (laughs) 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 And then people... Leave my people alone. (laughs) (laughs) And then people got plants and became plant parents. So yeah, I guess it it has been it's it's been an interesting time, a trying time for everyone, but interesting all in all. I did not learn any new skills, and I feel bad. Well, I stayed alive. That's what's most important. But I didn't learn anything new. I can't speak a new language. I can't play any other any musical instrument. I I didn't learn shit. I slept a lot. I what did I do? It's March again. But what did I do? Well, you survived, honestly. Well, yeah, there's that. I I guess, yeah, I survived. And I turned 30 in the house. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't do anything. Oh, that must have sucked. And I had such high hopes for that birthday. Miss Mark, we're actually thinking before COVID happened, we were trying to figure out where to go last year. And then COVID happened and no one went anywhere. So, yeah. And clearly no one is going to be going anywhere for a while because until those vaccines come through, then it becomes a whole political process of are you vaccinated? You can't get in here. You can't get in there. And like getting a visa wasn't bad enough. Now imagine they want another vaccine. But were you at home uh, uh, during the... So in Nairobi, are you living at home or you're in like an apartment or something? I was home for the pandemic, which was good. Because <laughs> which was amazing. I was saying at the beginning of this, yeah, well, you know, last year at the beginning of this, Andrew, me and you and Tony were like, we're gonna do this course at Harvard uh educational online thing. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> which one was it? I don't know, they were like sign up for free. We're like, ooh, we're gonna get do this course, we're gonna get all these certificates for free, da 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 da. None of us completed. I don't know. We 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 had such high hopes for ourselves. We had high hopes. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like such a boss over the two of you lawyers who are such studious people as far as I know. I actually did do a Harvard exec, um, edX course and I completed it. Well 87% up in this bitch entrepreneurship in emerging economies. And honestly, I recommend it for anyone. 
It was such an eye-opening course about the emerging economies, institutional voids, starting a business here, maintaining markets. It's such an excellent course, I think, for anyone who works in an emerging economy. But yeah, I actually finished that. So last year I was like, how? It's a panoramic, it's a panorama. And your girl went to Harvard. So wow. eat that, lawyers. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, let me do this. And I signed up. Then I was like, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I, I remember I found the course and I, I told Tony and Christina, we're doing this. We're doing this Harvard course. <laughs> we need to do this thing. And they were all hyped with me. And we that was the last time we spoke about it. The day we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> I still get the Yeah, so we didn't do anything. But how was it for you, uh, Extina, uh, with like family being in the US and then watching on the news the mess that was happening there? And isn't your family from Florida? I mean, not to put them on blast, but. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is the thing. This is the thing. You see, we have hosts in Florida. Where okay. my people stay. Then mm-hmm. you have Inlet, Florida, which is where the crackers stay. And as my beloved and late grandma said, you don't know crackers, you know white people. Those two are different. <laughs> <laughs> but Florida has a lot of crackers. No, also Monroe County, 305, Dade County, is blue. It's democratic, just to be clear. Okay. And then you have the red zones, no-go zones which unfortunately left Florida red. No, but uh, my family is two very distinct groups. You have my Norwegian family, which I would say the relationship is mostly unchanged. I get to see them uh, just in smaller groups. So more like cousins or like aunties way out. I, I haven't gotten to see them, but like the main people, the main characters, grandma, grandpa, uh, like first cousins, mother, brother, that's unchanged. I get to see them. I get, I got to go home for Christmas. I got to go home for Easter, for summer. That's cool. And all of them have like secure jobs, uh, like all of those practical stuff. It's okay. They're good. Then my American family, I'm used to staying away from them though. So that's also, that skill has served me well. But because all travel was canceled, I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to go see them. So I was supposed to go last Easter to see my family. So that time lapse is kind of weird because I'm like, oh, it's been, it's been years now. And I, I go back habitually or like uh, on set intervals. And in the beginning, they were fine too. They were actually enjoying it because my family stays on an island and they shut down the islands. Like you couldn't go in and out. Unless you were a, re- a resident, you couldn't get in, period. They were like, oh, it's like the old days, no tourists, like, we're, oh, we're loving it, all these people, they can't get in. Then, of course, they open back up. And that's when trouble came. Like, COVID rates went up, uh, it, all that ugh, icky stuff. And But so far, so good. None of them have caught COVID, none of them have. Lost jobs, all are healthy, all are good. 
as for the relationship, like I said, we're used to staying in touch through phone calls and video chats. Uh, so I'm definitely missing them, like, you know, just hugging, holding. I was supposed to see them and then it didn't happen. So that's like the first priority. Once it open, open back, back up, that's my first destination. Nice. Well, <clears throat> you know, also I was uh, reading because at least Andrew, you were both lucky actually to be around family or Christina with her roommate slash captor. Um, I was reading articles. (laughs) 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 So I was (laughs) reading a lot of articles and watching like trending videos, like people old and young who were like living alone and sharing tips about, you know, what to do to give your neighbor your number, uh, like emergency situations. What happens if you die alone in the middle of the night, like uh, starting, you know, a, a phone book in your complex or your area where you live in for like next of kin and emergency numbers and all of that. And I was just like, guys, it's actually so crazy the way we live. Like, this is normal. Like, 80-year-old people, 75-year-old people, 40-year-old people, 22-year-old people, you live such a life that is so isolated that it is genuinely a high probability that if you die, no one is going to find you for days unless you do something about that. But you're dead, though. Yeah, now I'm rotting in my house. The concern should be if something happened to you, like you fell down the stairs and you need help and no one finds you for a long time. But if you're dead, you're dead. That's the worry of whoever has to deal with getting you out, I guess. Well, where I was approaching it from is the fact that you can honestly like live in a city, you live amongst people, but your life is so isolated to someone next door that you can be dead in your apartment for weeks. And it'll be only the smell or you not paying rent that will arouse the suspicion of, oh, we should check this out. Like as much as we're used to that, that is abnormal. People shouldn't live like that, you know, but we've gotten used to it. And I live in a house, I have roommates. So that was also nice and comforting for me because I knew that at any time if something happened, I had people that were around, like I wasn't alone. And I was like in the... um, months just before the pandemic i was really looking into you know living alone but you know cape town property prices humbled me real quick and i was like you know what let let, let me just think about it which thank god because the pandemic hit and i was broke and thankfully i lived in a nice place with nice people still but yeah that was just really i don't know i didn't like that and the fact that that's like normal now that were just so isolated. Like I was sick the other time. And I remember when I was living in my old flat in Rosebank and my roommate was away for like months on end. Um, he used to lecture, I think in Nairobi actually. Yes. Douglas used to lecture at Strathmore college. Oh, I'm actually trying to find him, but anyway, that's a different story. Please go. So I was home alone and I remember my friend had like slept over a few days before and then she went home and I woke up with such a tight chest 
And I got so scared, but luckily I had a friend who lived down the road and we like rushed the hospital and whatnot. It was like a panic attack. It was like a whole thing. So this happened to me like a few months ago here. Now, you know, also I was watching too many of these damn COVID documentaries. Like literally I'd be falling asleep to like exposés, like vice documentary COVID. I was like, okay, you need to like ease up on this stuff. It's rotting your brain. So I wake up and my chest is like so tight. And I remembered that I had like Vicks. So I'm like, okay, let me just have a, a warm shower or like prepare like a steamer. So after the steam, it starts to feel better. Now here I am applying Vicks to myself, trying to reach my back. Guys, it was such a sorry sight. Like it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm cold. Now I also feel vulnerable. My arm is half out my shirt. I'm trying to apply Vicks to myself. And I'm like, wow, people were not meant to live like this. Hey, you just, you were never meant to Vicks your own self. It's wrong. But yes, I was like, oh, I miss home. I miss my siblings. I miss my cousins. I miss having people I could take care of and people who could take care of me. Well, I, I lived alone all of 2020 in an apartment. And it was my first time living alone. And I enjoyed it so much in the beginning. Uh, and then in the end, like in November, December, it started getting boring because you had like work during the week and then the weekend came and you're like, shit, this is, this is a lot of alone time. Even though you have the calls and the video calls and then a weekend would pass. And you're like, shit, I haven't seen another person like all weekend. That's weird. So I definitely get how some people either because they're not used to it or because they don't get the, um, if they don't have people to talk to on the phone, that's lonely. And the silence is, can get to you too, I think. Just not, imagine not, not speaking to a person. I talk to myself a lot more now. Like honestly, this, and then also because when you're in public, you're wearing a mask. So it's really taught me some really bad habits because now I just talk. And I catch myself sometimes doing it in front of people like, oh, what am I going to do when I get home? Because I'm so used to not speaking out loud just by myself. <laughs> it's terrible. Speaking of masks and talking to yourself, we are not sure how people look these days. All you see is forehead and, and a bit of eyes. And then there's the masks everywhere. Everyone is wearing a mask. No facial expressions. No, you can't read people's faces anymore, which sucks. Why do I feel like there's a thirst element to this complaint? (laughs) (laughs) Because it doesn't feel like, oh, I couldn't smile at that sweet old lady at the supermarket. It feels like, damn, that girl had a fat ass in that line, but I couldn't see her face properly. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, I didn't say that, but that, 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 now that you mention it, (laughs) (laughs) now that you mention it, I guess it happens. Noted. Did did any of you guys' friends get babies during the pandemic? Yeah, so many babies. Yes. Uh, I love the, honestly, when I decided to unplug from all the pandemic stuff, I started like measuring my time according to the growth of my favorite babies that I knew from friends and internet babies that I was following. I love that that's okay now 
in 2021, like grown strange women can follow baby accounts and it's not weird. At least I hope it's not. Um, <laughs> so I just started measuring like the passage of time with babies and oh, so many babies, so much cuteness. When you say follow babies on the internet, do you mean the celebrity ones like like Gabrielle Union's child? Of course, Gavia James. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess that's her name. Or you mean some obscure influencer's child with their own Instagram account? Like, no, celebrity babies, random TikToks about babies, friends' videos about babies. Look, I'm 30 and I'm broody, but I also don't want children. So the best thing I can do is watch them and just be obsessed and get my joy that way. Mm -hmm. I'm actually tired of babies. Like, well, I, I'll, I'll get involved. Melody just had a baby. <laughs> and I got involved in that one because I like I have deep love. So I actually I had like I sent her stuff and and I'm of course happy for her. But like the it's the amount of babies for me. It's just I don't want to see a sentence about a baby again. <laughs> Has it been a lot over there in Christian sand? Well, if people are popping up babies like oh baby this baby that. I'm like listen I. I need a drink. I don't want to do this. Like, I'm tired of hearing about babies. Don't call me to talk about babies. Don't Snapchat your child like, oh, he's eating. Like, okay. <laughs> 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 like, as he should. Wow. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so for me, it's just like, it's a lot your of baby's not special. And ugly. No, I'm just kidding. I do that too. <laughs> Hi, hi, hi. Guys, what? no. What? <laughs> I'm being honest. This is a, this is a safe space, I, right? This is a safe space. You not going to have no more friends up there. <laughs> they know. They, they, know. They, they, they already know. Listen, <laughs> I know. I know. Because I can tell, but other people feel the same way. They'll be like, oh, it's only baby talk. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I feel you, but I also know you have it worse than me because people know to keep it cute and short when it comes to babies because my patience and interest is limited. Okay, so I'll, I'll know not to spam you with photos of my child when I do get one. <laughs> just, 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 just advise me, like, listen, this is the baby. I'll send, you know, the flowers, the gifts, all that. I'll come hold the baby, greet the baby, view the baby. But then I want to talk about it. She'll agree to a meet and greet. After that, please. <laughs> right? please. A brief one. Very, very <laughs> no, no. Brief. A view and sit. A view and sit. Like, please have it, it me come. Have have and Just a Greet and me greet. with my glass of champagne to celebrate this joyous moment. She's literally there to cut the ribbon, sip the champagne, and be out. <laughs> Keep it moving. Well, Auntie Christina, that is good to know. You will just be the auntie my children extort for money. I will tell them that, like, what Auntie Christina doesn't show in necessary affectionateness, she will show you when she sends you your Amazon gift card on your birthday. So be quiet and be grateful. In, in a few years, in a few years, you'll have to be doing, like, a, a world tour to see people's kids. Oh, my God, yeah. you like, go to go, go see... <laughs> yeah, you'll have to go see Mimi's kids, go to Zambia, see Melody's kids, pass by, see Tony's kids. <laughs> like, I'll come, I'll come, as long as you promise that we're going to do grown-up stuff afterwards. Then go to Germany, see the kids we know there. 
<laughs> okay, we're going there. Because I was like, I'm just saying, it's an exciting time. People having kids and babies, baby scares. No, scares stopped long time. These days, they are not scares anymore. People see it, see it through. That's true. They're now, not called we're scares in age now where it's like, they're called babies. I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, well, <laughs> I guess it's time. How do we even reach through. this topic? Yo, yeah, well, it's it happened. Like, uh, <laughs> right? It's like I'm pregnant. Like, well, so that I, let's go sign up at Baby City. <laughs> It's just like that's the natural reaction right now, which I think is also like indicative for people who actually want it. Because I mean, it's still 2021. If you really don't want to have a child, there are ways. So I'm happy for everyone, like having their babies and like getting to share in like your friends starting that portion of life. Because me, I like to learn from them. They must tell me all these horror stories, all these things I didn't know that happened to your body when you're pregnant and like newborns and whatnot. So now I'm like, yeah. Thanks for the info, girls. Uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it down here in childless for a while. I, I may have accidentally offended someone. They told me they were pregnant, and I was like, "Oh, what are you going to do?" What? And the problem with that was it it may have been offensive because in my mind they were not ready. <laughs> but I guess they decided. What was the what was the tone when they said this to you though? Like when they told you they were pregnant? Because I feel like that I'm always looking at the way you share it. If you do it in a monotone, I'm always like, oh. oh it was a text. Oh, hey, yeah, the texts are difficult. Yeah, it was like like two three weeks ago, and I was like, oh, okay. So what are you going to do? Is it yours? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say, mommy's baby, daddy's maybe. Oh my god. Is this where the German babies come in? <laughs> no, but for real, like, wow. I think it's actually a good time to have babies because nothing else is happening. So, you know, go ahead, have them babies. The pandemic was a good time for people to be pregnant. If someone who got knocked up in Jan was in a good place. We had work from home for a whole year. Mm. And now as the world goes back to normal, you're ready. Yeah. You're right. There might not be another year of sitting home. Yeah, hey? So now we've covered friendships and we've covered family. So a lot of things that, uh, uh, a lot of times, sorry, this whole self-love thing kept coming up, especially in response to people being lonely, people feeling disconnected, people not being in like uh, relationships or away from families. Like, okay, well, if you don't have the love of friends and family, what is ways to have more self-love or more self-care and just being emotionally self-sufficient. And I think, yeah, the definitions of self-love now are all over the place. Um, I think also it's been commodified now where self-love and self-care are being used interchangeably. And this thing of if you're not like getting manicures and eating macarons for breakfast you don't love yourself or to love yourself you must you know luxuriate at the spa whatnot like it's being made about things and stuff 
um, instead of, you know, the tough self-love of, you know, you delete that number because you know this person is not good for you. The self-love that says, you know, get up and move around and stretch and at least try to walk. You've been in bed too long. You're, you know, the self-love that says push through this e-course or this Zoom meeting because these are things you absolutely care about and you want to finish even though you could not give a rat's ass right now. So it just brings up also the question of, so who are you when no one is loving you? When you're not a partner, you're not a sibling, you're not a best friend, you're not a beloved child, you're not a respected professional, you're not the life of the party. Like when you're not all those things, when there's no one there to be sort of the person that co-signs your reality, are you able to sit with yourself and attend to your own needs for love and affection? And, you know... Also self-love that's about, you know, fun. Like, yo, I spent so many times uh, dancing out solo in my room because guys, the Scorpion Kings album, the timing of the drop of that album and all those bangers and then the lockdown of the club so we couldn't even dance to it properly. Honestly, it was a crime against humanity. That is the truth. And I stand by that statement. <laughs> 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 I have to say, M. Simbini needs so, to be released again. When we all get the vaccine, M. Simbini needs to be released again, afresh, remastered and released afresh again, like we have never heard it before. The, the free different. from COVID version. Have you, have you heard in Dabagabani? That's my latest that I was rocking and I was just like, this room doesn't even feel big enough. I, I need more space to enjoy the song. So I was like in my room, like, you know what? It's fine, Cyril. You can close us down, but this album is going to get this work, bruh. Because so much good music came out and so much fun also was had. And I think in terms of self-love, it also taught me that, you know, all the things you enjoy doing with other people. And we say it all the time now, whether it's taking yourself to brunch or going to the museum by yourself or whatever it is. And for me, it was like, Dance by yourself, have a party by yourself, get you some wine, get tipsy. Like that was a lot of fun. And it's one of those things where when you think about it, it sounds really lame and then you do it. And I'm like, actually, I had all this energy, this fun energy that I wanted to get out. Why should I have to wait for another person to be here to do it? I guess learning to have fun by yourself is, is, a, is, a, is a great place to be. Um, learning to enjoy your own company, learning to not be bored when you're by yourself, not learning to not be afraid of your own thoughts as you sit there alone. Because many times I think we're scared of our thoughts. That's why we tend to entertain ourselves with people and with things. But again, like we said earlier during the lockdown, you can only watch so many series. You can only read so many books. At some point, you're going to have to sit there and reflect inward and yeah you learn a lot about yourself i guess in times when there is not so much noise around when it's just you and silence you and your thoughts i wonder what miss mark is thinking because she's very quiet well i actually think self-love has two parts the one part which you mentioned me is like taking taking good care of yourself and that doesn't necessarily mean fun like 
getting up, eating well, exercising, making good decisions for yourself. And the other part is more about prioritizing all needs and wants. Like I consider myself very good at the latter, prioritizing my own needs and wants. Like I love myself I, and, I, and I prioritize doing things that I think are fun, uh, time to do that, spend money to do that, all those things. The difficult part is the part about doing what's good for you because that's hard. It, it requires labor and effort. And that's been tough for me in this pandemic, especially the last six months, like not procrastinating at work, getting up, not drinking so much, going outside, not spending uh, a lot of money just to uh, like on retail therapy. I do that a lot, like way more than I should just to entertain myself because I'm so fucking bored. Because all of the things that I enjoy this is true. All the things I enjoy, going to parties, weddings, traveling, socializing, all of the things that I think are fun are canceled. So you find replacements for that. And those replacements are not necessarily an expression of self-love or self-care because they're not good for you Yeah. in the long run. Like you overindulge and then you call it self-love because it's like, oh, it's for me. I- I'm going to buy this thing for me. I'm going to do this thing. And it's, you know, I'm just taking care of myself. And in reality, it's not. It's self-sabotage. So I've been trying to eliminate those bad, it's not even a habit, those Mm. overindulgences Mm. or those, or like prioritizing uh, what's good for me. And a part of that is being honest with yourself and not trying to cover it under self-love. Because that's like, that's false. That's not true. You're not loving yourself. You're not loving yourself when you're overindulging in something that's harmful. You're not loving yourself when um, you're spending too much money on bullshit. You're not loving yourself when you're just not being lazy, but when you sit in a situation that's not good for you and you just freeze and it, it, i guess it's a it could be a normal response but it's not an it's not self love it's not self care so i think also what andrew said about being uh, you, you can be scared of your own thoughts and a part of self love or self care is being emotionally honest with yourself and being okay i'm feeling this way i'm feeling vulnerable i'm doing this thing i'm no i know it's not good for me that's what I'm going to try to do to get out of it or do better. Well, you have to couple it with, with patience and uh, try not to fall too much into self-criticism or shame. But I, I totally feel what you're saying. And I think, like I shared in part one, that I discovered, you know, this friendship with myself, like a real loving vibe, like filled with laughter and ridiculousness, but also like genuine understanding and like self-compassion with myself about all these other things. And I think my, my relationship with myself really grew a lot in the, in the past pandemic year, because I think I'd been putting in a lot of work to become more self-sufficient, more grounded with myself and really working on not being a, a person who's so focused on people pleasing and being in like 
safe in groups. Like I, I could have my whole life be directed by just me. And I think for a long time, I hadn't realized that in my life, I wasn't in the driver's seat for a long time, that I was just amicable, that I would go along with things just because I was like, ah, it's easier to just say yes, you know? So also in the last year, few years that I wasn't doing a lot of that. And then in the pandemic, I sort of got time to really uh, introspect and be like, wow, like I've actually come a long way from things like that. And I realized like what Andrew's saying is that so much of my anxiety and avoidance of myself actually was old emotions, old patterns and old fears that actually have fallen away. Like they haven't been true in a while because they were so difficult and so ingrained in me. I didn't realize that they left. And in everyday life, when you're working, you're hustling, you're trying to get this promotion, it also robs you of that mental and spiritual time to just reconnect with yourself and actually see yourself and see your life, which I think is so integral for self-love. Self-love can't grow if you're not spending time with yourself. It's like any relationship. Like you can say whether it's going on dates with yourself if you're doing breakfast or if you're going for a run or whatever it is, having those conversations with yourself, why does this bother me so much? How can I be better at this thing that I want to be, you know, better at? It just gave me a chance to see that, like, I don't have to be scared of being alone. This person that I'm scared that I am or this person that I'm scared that I was, they're not here anymore. They left years ago. You are someone new now. You're this thing that you've been for years. And it was only during the pandemic that I got the chance to like, oh, oh, okay. That I got that opportunity to sort of marry that healed reality now with that unhealed past and to sort of be like, wow, actually I'm good. Like I'm doing okay. So yeah, Andrew, what was, what was your experience then as a, as a man? I don't know. Do you guys, is self-love okay to say, or is that gay? <laughs> it's gay because you're loving yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you just said it now on the internet that you love another man. Ah. <laughs> anyway, so um, what would be self-love for me? I turned 30. My knees don't hurt, luckily but I need to find the, the supplements people start taking when they turn 30 so that your knees don't hurt. I'd like to keep it that way. But I guess more self-awareness, more self-consciousness, being more determined in the pursuit of what you desire, of what makes you happy, of what gives you peace. The changing definitions of what give one peace, I guess, you realize the things you thought were important that are not as important anymore. And you spend more time focusing on the little things that bring you joy. Put yourself first more. I guess that's what I'm learning to do. What else? Well, it's more, I have learned to introspect better over the last few years. I've learned more about myself. And in so doing, I'm, better, I'm, I'm able to treat myself better. I don't know if that makes sense. I guess it does to me. It all, does. It, all, all that matters Those is it would make sense so to hand. me. Yeah. yeah. 
all that matters is it should make sense to me. Mm. Um, I started working out like a lot, which is good. It makes me happy. It's good for my mental health. It's a good place to think. I see Christina amused by me working out. Let me tell you guys, very soon, the only photos of me on the internet will be shirtless photos. Like real soon. Just give me a moment. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, you can take my money now. I am, but I will subscribe to the calendar. Go ahead with your bad self. I'm going to be. I'm going to be out here all over the place. We await the thirst picks, okay? The thirst traps. Yes. Yeah, but who will marry me if I pose naked on the internet? <laughs> naked? You said shirtless. <laughs> I am dead. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So more introspection, learning more about myself and doing more things that make me happy. From a less materialistic point of view, with the like I like what Christina said, many of the things that make her happy she has not been able to do travel and meet up with people, especially if you're a person who needed to be out and about, and a good amount of your happiness came from you being an extrovert came from you being out there. I guess there was a lot to learn in terms of like I mentioned how to be with yourself and make yourself happy. Which is why earlier I was asking if anyone learned any new skills and you all said no. The other day Mimi was making that workers Mediterranean pasta, the feta one. Oh, but I, I zhuzhed it up. I made one with... It went perfect because I added pilcher, chickpeas, peppers... I made it fancy and then I actually made another version because now I realize you can just substitute anything and bake it with the cheese. So I got this really nice like ostrich uh, uh, mince and I mixed it with this Italian sausage. Oh my God. Oh my God. When I roll out of here to get my vaccine. <laughs> that that wakas pasta, what pasta was from Finland. The feta, the, the feta... Uh, the, the feta and baby tomatoes one was from Finland. So you put trusted people from Finland on pasta. Shame on you. And it trended. Anyway. It was good. It was good. We were talking about self-love. It's hard to talk about self-love without talking about food. Amen. <laughs> so Speak on it. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that. Actually, you know what? Yesterday I was having a rough day and I was like, oh, you know what would make this day better? Cake. So I was like, I'll make a deal with myself. Instead of ordering it on Mr. D, I'm going to walk to Dolce Bakery and get it that way I can eat it guilt free. That was the plan. And then when I got out of the shower, I was like, I have to walk. So, hey, you know, I don't know. But I stuck to the plan because I was like, self-love is also being like, you know what? I'm being indulgent right now. There's no need for you to be eating this much cake. But if you are going to do it, do it the right way. So, I mean, everyone wins. And that's what self-love is about, I think, sometimes. Like, honestly, not in a joking way, but finding a good middle. Because, you know, this thing of being too strict or being too liberal, it doesn't work. 
you must nyonyoba, you must work the middle. That's what I'm good at. I love myself, guys. <laughs> no, I agree. Food is love. And I've been definitely cooking. I've been doing that a lot. Also for myself, not just cooking because I'm having visitors or, you know, friends over. Just, okay, I'm going to cook myself a nice meal. I was thinking the other day, I don't know what this movie is. I think it was uh, um, High Life. Robert Pattinson, uh, Juliette Binoche, and Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000 is in it. So, but basically the premise is there's this, uh, they get sent out in these spaceship pods things and they're supposed to be on track to, I don't know, collide or land on another planet. So it's a whole lot of young men and women and facilities to like start new life. And they sent out there. So apparently now, okay, I'm going to give too much away about this movie. But in any case, things go wrong as they do in science fiction movies when you're out there in space by yourselves. And then there's just uh, these few characters that are just alone there and you're alone. And not only are you alone in this spaceship with no one else, other people are dead or they left or whatever, but you are also alone in space. And I remember there's a sequence where he's losing his mind and I just remember thinking to myself, I actually think I might actually be calm in that situation because then it's comforting to know for a fact that nothing matters. I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> like this whole thing is horrible. Like there's no way around it. So to accept it would actually be so freeing. And I was thinking like, you know, there's these zombie apocalypse movies or whatnot. Say you're inside and it's this kind of pandemic way. So my acceptance would hinge on what my last meal was. Because if it, <laughs> it was good, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> At least I ate good before I went. <laughs> <laughs> no, first of all, there's only one way to survive a zombie apocalypse. There's only one way. Which is, as soon as the outbreak starts, you die. You will have died happy. And peaceful. You'll not live for three <laughs> years through some wasteland <laughs> with no antibiotics and then get get <laughs> and after you've fought hard to survive for three years, you get beat. Imagine Yeah, I won't lie. For what? So the easiest way, the easiest way through it is as soon as when when CNN is still announcing the outbreak, it means they're not yet infected there. You die. There okay, then, I mean just die. And you'll have lived your best life before the apocalypse. Just start cooking the pasta, have one last good meal, and just, you know. And then just And then die. they <laughs> find out that. Oh. It's not worth it. Wow. Staying alive is not worth this it. Is... There'll be no internet. This is a really powerful <laughs> message of self-love, guys. It's I think it's really going to strike a chord with the listeners. What the hell are you saying? <laughs> Logistics will break down. Lo lo logistics will break down. There'll be no internet. There'll be so none to of you, that. If we can't drink, we can't tweet. So uh, just what's die. the point? <laughs> <laughs> Take me now. <laughs> no, I think we we underestimate. We underestimate how important internet is to our lives. It's like instant communication, right? So there you are, zombies are coming. You can't ask people how far <laughs> they've reached. You can't do shit. You don't know anything. 
<laughs> there's no internet. There's no communication. You just know the last thing you knew is that shit has popped off. So now you're waiting for it to reach you. No, just make yourself happy. Unless you're like you're like on an island, self-contained, self-sustaining kind of thingy. But then you'll end up becoming a weird cult and colony, and then relatives will start fucking. What? Because there'll be limited human beings on that <laughs> island. So that's not a thing. Just don't survive. Because eventually, in like two generations, you'll all be related. And looking weird. So it's not worth it. I have to say, you have thought this out more thoroughly than I expected. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. But I'm happy for you to know that you are prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it will be like biblical times. Imagine the pandemic without internet. Imagine. We would adapt. Then you would just read or do something else. Like, I really, I think human beings are much more resilient and hardy and adaptable than we give them credit for. Guys, literally 25 years ago, we didn't have internet. So why now all of a sudden are you going to die a thousand deaths if you can't tweet through a pandemic? Like, it's about to get real. Y'all need to get a, a lot more hardier than this because the 2020s, 30s, 40s, and 50s are going to show us flames, probably literally and figuratively. <laughs> I'm telling you, y'all need to get ready. Don't say that. We're getting out of this, living our best lives. We need to know if we're turning into an apocalyptic wasteland. It's easier to go hunting alone than with some little asshole tagging upon you <laughs> and you have to protect them you have to feed them so if you're alone you're more agile you move faster and i've seen you walk you know what andrew you actually wow <laughs> Me, I'd be offended, but okay. <laughs> I don't walk any faster myself. I'm just saying, like. Okay, well, I think this. Um, I really wanted to like do this retrospective episode because I don't know, like you're saying now, when this initially happened with even the lockdowns, we were thinking, you know. A week or two months at most, at most, like really. This two-year, three-year, four-year vaccine wars, passport wars, uh, territory we're approaching is like, mm, I didn't think we were going to come here. But in a year from now, I'm very curious to see where we are. And I think with exploring this topic about our experience of love and all of those things, this pandemic to me is so emblematic and seems like almost prophetic in coming at this time to say to us, like, you guys need to get your house in order. This is where there are cracks because what this pandemic done also, like what you're saying, it's not, it's not Ebola. It's not the scary, horrible thing. Like all the dangers, all the threats of it are the way we think, the way we relate to each other, the way we've built our systems. It's so, 
crafty and smart in that way, the way that it's most devastating and most affecting is not even necessarily through the virus itself. It's the social systems we've built that have been allowing this virus to operate the way that it does. And then obviously the knock-on effects of that. Actually, I just realized something while you were talking about the, the systems we have built. Just think of it like this. After the pandemic came, everyone, not everyone, but everyone who could was working from home. Several companies repurposed, several industries changed their, their ways of working. But just think of this. We had people who were blind or visually impaired who used to make get on two or three taxis or a train to go to work and be an accountant or do data entry. Basically, they did not have to be physically there, <clears throat> but the pandemic came and we moved to work from home and now they're working from home. So basically, all I'm saying is considerations we could have made for the less privileged and the less abled in society, we have been forced to do, right? Previously, we had people in wheelchairs, people with crutches, who again had to use a public transport system to go to an office and look at receipts. He could do this at home, in the comfort of his home, but that was deemed, such an accommodation was deemed too much to make for them. But now, small, small pandemic, and it has shown that everything can work the same, if not better, with these accommodations which we had refused to make for all these years. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's shown us a lot of things. And I think that's why I wanted to also explore this theme, like as individuals, as a collective, it's like, we have to sit down and really sift through the way we lived pre COVID, the way we're living now in COVID and the way we'll be living after whatever this portion of living through this pandemic passes. And there's so many things that we are just complete oversights like that. And the disabled community has been saying for years with things like that. So there was a lot of things going on. And <laughs> I think we should all like really think about it. Like what in the past 12 months have you learned? Because sometimes you're not aware that some things have shifted until you actually sit down and you ask yourself the questions. So that's the questions I would love everyone to ask themselves um, regarding this episode. And please comment, voice message, and follow, like, and share with us what your experience of love in the time of COVID regarding self-love, family, and friendships has been for you in the past 12 months. Hopefully, we will not have to do this again next year to check in what the past 24 months have been. Let's hope the vaccine situation works out. But other than that, thank you so much to my lovely friends, Miss Christina Mack. And thank you, Andrew Bisagaya. I love that you guys did this with me and I really enjoyed this catch up and this chat. So I hope you really enjoyed listening to me and my friends just gab on about life. Again, let us know what you thought about the show. But till next time, bye for now. Bye.